0: Hello and welcome to Equipping the Saints. I'm Ryan, and thank you for joining us today. I haven't had a chance to properly say it because of illness and other things going on, but Happy New Year, everyone. Happy New Year. And may this year be a transformational year in our hearts and in our spirits as we seek the Lord. So I wanted to start this year with the Proper Mindset And so I'm going to share a sermon that I wrote for my church that I'm presenting this Sunday, which is called Old Commandments, New Life. And so I think this is appropriate for anyone to hear, as to get us started on the right foot this year. So let me go ahead and begin. So if you have your Bibles, please turn to Romans chapter 6. We're going to start in the first four verses and then incrementally move forward from there. So the word says, What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin so that grace may increase? May it never be. How shall we who died to sin still live in it? Or do you not know that all of us who have been baptized in Christ Jesus have been baptized into his death? Therefore, we have been buried with him through baptism into death, so that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. Did any of you make a New Year's resolution? How many of you have already broken it? Now, if you've already broken it, don't feel bad because studies show that only 5% of people who made a resolution actively work on it, and then less than 1% of them actually complete their resolution. Have you ever wondered where New Year's resolutions originate? The practice of this dates back to ancient Babylon, roughly 4,000 years ago, where they would commit to being better people in order to win the favor of their gods. It wouldn't surprise me if their track record wasn't much better than ours when it came to succeeding in our resolutions, but let's be honest, there is an added dimension to their motivations. They believed that failure would cause them to fall out of favor with their gods, and this was definitely somewhere you did not want to be. So now let me ask you, why do we make New Year's resolutions? Is it because we have examined ourselves and are disappointed in our past decisions? Are we taking the path of self-improvement and we feel guilty about something? Are we simply goal-oriented and know that we can do better? Is it just a tradition that we follow with no real meaning to it? Regardless of why we do or do not make resolutions, As Christians, do we believe that the God of the Bible needs to be appeased by making and keeping commitments to him? The short answer to this should be no, and I'll explain why. If we look back at verse 1 of Romans chapter 6, we see that Paul asks a question. What shall we say then? So for context, in the previous chapter, he explains how God took action on behalf of his chosen people. And the action that he took was offering up the Lord Jesus as a satisfactory substitute for our sins. And since his death on the cross added our sins to him, the blood guiltiness of our sin perished in the process. In the same way our sins were imputed to Christ through his complete willful obedience by hanging on the cross, he has also imputed his justification and his grace to us. In the eyes of a holy God, we have been declared innocent in the courtroom of heaven, with Jesus taking the punishment upon himself and nailing it to the cross. By his wounds we are healed. Therefore, because of what God has done, not us, but what God has done, should we continue to sin freely? What is his answer? Absolutely not. May it never be. The grace imputed unto us from the cross is not to be abused. God's favor in your life is not to be taken for granted. What Jesus Christ did on that day was not just an act of deliverance, but of complete transformation. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ... He is a new creature. The old things passed away. Behold, new things have come. God created the universe in Genesis chapter 1 through an act of creation, and by this same power, he performed an act of creation in you. I unfortunately don't have the time to examine all of the implications of this, but it's important to understand two things. It was a willful act of God, not of man, and this destines us for a much higher calling. Let's continue in Romans chapter 6, verse 5. For if we have become united with him in the likeness of his death, certainly we also should be in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old self was crucified with him in order that our body of sin might be done away with, so that we would no longer be slaves to sin. For he who has died is freed from sin. Now if we had died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, is never to die again. Death no longer is master over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. Even so, consider yourselves to be dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Pay careful attention to this phrase right here, dead to sin, but alive to God. What Paul is explaining here is not only a spiritual transformation But also a spiritual transfer of ownership. Before salvation found us, we belonged to the world. We were under ownership of Satan and held accountable to God's holy law. The Bible intentionally calls the cross a purchase with blood and a ransom that was paid for a reason. If you are in Christ Jesus, you're under new management. Jesus now owns you, and this is a prophecy from the Old Testament fulfilled on the cross. In Isaiah chapter 42, verses 6 and 7, God the Father is directly addressing God the Son, where he says, I am the Lord. I have called you in righteousness. I will also hold you by the hand and watch over you. You notice how all these U's are capital Y U's? And I will appoint you as a covenant to the people, as a light to the nations, to open blind eyes, to bring out prisoners from the dungeon, and those who dwell in darkness from the prison. This is what Jesus rescues his people from, the dungeons of demonic slavery, and being held prisoner by the sinful nature that you were born with. Jesus flings open the jail cell, where you are serving on death row, and carries you out of there. Now, as I host this podcast, and preparing scripts, and examining the scriptures to share some kind of commentary on what we read, I often get overwhelmed by the realization of how far the Lord God has taken me thus far. It's almost in disbelief when I think about it, and i say why me lord i'm nobody jesus saved me of all people a pathetic excuse of a human being someone who is not worthy of such an honor i was chosen by god before the foundation of the world to be acquitted of all charges that god had against me charges that would send me to hell for all eternity amen All of us who have tasted the goodness of the Lord know exactly what I'm talking about. But if we truly believe this, even at a surface level, that should move us to make a resolution. This should challenge us to reflect and expect better from ourselves. And best of all, we don't have to wait until New Year's to do this. In nine different places in the Bible, there is a phrase that is repeated. Sing to the Lord a New Song. Have you ever wondered what that song is? What it sounds like? Or is he telling us to make new hit singles to sing at church? No, in the Psalms, King David gives us a definition of what this song is, and it has been preserved for our instruction. Just like our salvation, just like our faith, and just like our love for God, This song does not originate from us. Psalm chapter 40, verse 3 says, He, being God, He put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and will trust in the Lord. This new song is the life-giving power of the Holy Spirit at the moment we are saved. Paul describes the world as dead in their trespasses. Something that is dead has no power to save itself. Death is the antithesis of the holiness of our God. If we can't save ourselves, then someone else has to. And who better than the God who formed us from the dust and who defied death by rising from the grave? With salvation comes a deep hunger desire and profound reverence for our lord but even more than that it spurs us to go beyond feelings and to put them into action those who don't know god don't praise him and they're not even capable of doing so psalm chapter 115 verses 17 and 18 says the dead and this is referring to those who are spiritually dead The dead do not praise the Lord, nor do any who go down into silence. But as for us, we will bless the Lord from this time forth and forever. Praise the Lord. In light of this glorious truth, what are we supposed to do with it? Are there any actionable steps that we need to take? Look back with me in Romans chapter 6 beginning in verse 12. Therefore, in other words, considering everything that we've talked about to this point, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its lusts. Do not go on presenting the members of your body to sin as instruments of unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. For sin shall not be master over you, for you are not under law, but under grace. Ephesians 4, verse 24, seems like a fitting ending to this thought. So it says this, Put on the new self, which in the likeness of God has been created in righteousness, and holiness of the truth as any guide of the word of god should i stand before you in the same way paul said to the corinthians we preach christ crucified which is the power of god and the wisdom of god it is at the cross where our intense focus should be and all worldly distractions are discarded it is here where your soul was purchased. It is here where our sin was paid for. It is here where you were sealed by the Holy Spirit of promise for eternity. And it is here where full forgiveness is established. The grace of God, his undeserved favor, flows from the crucified Christ, and he is now your master. What is the will of the master for your life? What does the Master want from you? I may not know what specific plan God has for you in the future, but there are two things that I do know. He's already given us the commandments that we are to follow, and whatever we do in his name will give him the glory he deserves. The scriptures that you have with you today are the instructions of how God wants us to live how we are to interact with each other, and how we are to survive in an ungodly world that no longer controls us. 1 John 2, verse 7 says, Beloved, I am not writing a new commandment to you, but an old commandment which you have had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word which you have heard. God's will in your life is not a mystery. What He expects from His people has been made clear for thousands of years in His Word. God sent His Son to be the ultimate role model for how we are to live. And best of all, when the Holy Spirit indwells you, He gives you the capacity to serve Him and to please Him. In Ezekiel chapter 11, verses 19 and 20, The Lord tells us how he does it and what he expects. It says, And I will give them one heart and put a new spirit within them. And I will take the heart of stone out of their flesh and give them a heart of flesh, that they may walk in my statutes and keep my ordinances and do them. Then they will be my people, and I shall be their God. God is not a God of confusion, so he doesn't leave us alone without any direction. Notice the progression of how God explains this to us. It begins with him. It always begins with him. He puts a new heart and new spirit into us, which is the regeneration of the Holy Spirit. He then performs a spiritual heart transplant on us, giving us the capacity to see him as he is And love him for who he is. And how do we show our love for him? By obeying his commandments and walking in a manner worthy of our calling. But how are we supposed to walk in obedience to his commandments if you don't even know what they are? They are here in his word. He is not giving us a new commandment, but expecting us to know and obey the old ones. Are you doing that? How can you expect God to give you fresh instructions for life if you're not doing the old ones? Are you spending at least an hour a day seeking the Lord in His Word? Are you making God a priority by giving Him your undivided attention every day? Is He included in your interactions and experiences throughout each day? This isn't about religion. Religion is nothing without the relationship. But religion is what shows us how to have the relationship that He wants with us. If there was any New Year's resolution to make, it's this decide today to surrender your will to the Master and serve Him with an undivided heart. But know that this is for your benefit. God isn't dependent upon your worship. He doesn't need to be appeased, but what he wills for you is to know him and obey him in all things. I'm no prophet, but if everyone who claims the name of Christ were to do this, the modern church would be unrecognizable and unstoppable I want to see the name of Christ glorified across this nation and across the world, don't you? It starts with us here. Submit to God so that he can use you in a powerful way for his glory. Please join me in prayer. God has high expectations for his people, and it shouldn't surprise us that we all fall short in some way. But for those who desire to know the truth and the reality around us, let me tell you the truth of the gospel. Jesus, who has existed since eternity past with God the Father, created all things for his pleasure. He orchestrated a plan for mankind to be redeemed from their sin. He knew us first, he loved us first, and he knew that our our sins separate us from him in such a way that in his justice we could never save ourselves from his wrath. So he chose to come into the world as a man, but yet he remained fully God. He was born of a virgin, lived a sinless life, and allowed himself to be crucified as an innocent man in order to be the perfect sacrifice. He gave up his spirit so that he could save yours. In his death, our sins are forgiven, and God's justice was satisfied forever. Jesus physically died and was buried for three days, but he rose to life by the power of the Holy Spirit. He was witnessed alive by over 500 people, ascended to heaven, and he lives today, continuing to work in this world and in our hearts. Jesus Christ is our only hope, for salvation. It may be hard to hear, but all who do not accept Jesus as their Savior will spend eternity separated from him in hell. Brothers and sisters, if you feel the call to repentance, to turn away from sin, Christ is willing to cleanse you. His people need to be holy as he has called us to be holy. Sin can and will be forgiven but you have to take the first step. Repent. Cast aside the weights and distractions in your life. Surrender your selfishness and pride at the feet of Jesus. I beg you and exhort you in the name of God to not waste this opportunity to be impacted by the good news of Jesus Christ. Pray that God will change your heart to move into obedience and action in knowing him through prayer and spending time with him in his word. If you are here listening to this, and you feel the call to salvation, if you don't know this Jesus, you can celebrate new life in him right now. If you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, it's not too late. There will be a time soon where it will be too late, and we don't know when that is, and we don't know what will happen tomorrow. Why delay the most important decision you'll ever make? Jesus is coming again, but he will not come like he did the first time. He will not come again as a helpless baby. He will return in power as a conqueror to permanently destroy Satan, to pronounce judgment on the world, and to redeem his people for eternity. Romans 10.13 says, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Lord Heavenly Father, your loving kindnesses indeed never cease. Your compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is our portion, therefore we have hope in him. You are good to those who wait for you and seek your face. Challenge us, Lord, to live as you have called us to live. In Jesus' holy name, amen. If you feel the call to salvation or you simply have questions, please contact me. My email is in the description of this podcast, and I would love to hear from you, either in per- for prayer requests or praise reports for salvation reports, anything like that, any way I can help, I'd love to hear from you. Sing to the Lord a new song in the days to come. Change the way that we live. Put him first in all things. Let the Lord work his wonders in you. He can do so much with so little, but you need to be willing to let him do it in you. Thank you for listening. I'm Ryan, and we'll see you next time. Take care, and God bless you.